I'm Russ. And I'm Danny. And this is the Memory Makers Podcast. The show focused on helping you create amazing customer experiences and make more memories. Memory Maker Podcast. Do you remember that that old, old school song? Like the memories all alone in the moonlight. Nope. All right. That's not going on the winter shelf. <laughs> no, I have no idea what you're referring to. That's fine. It was, a, it was an old classic. <laughs> that people are going to either love or hate the jingle every single time. And, and it should. It should be a polarizing piece, I feel like. <laughs> and people are probably also going to think that we plan out what that's going to be. We don't. I honestly have absolutely no idea what Russ is referring to. So it's nope. fun. Yeah, Real time. <laughs> How are you, brother? I'm great, man. How are you? Oh, always better than I deserve. So just uh, just enjoying, you know, we've had a lot of good things happening across the office. The teams are really leaning in and finding some new efficiencies and things. And I've just been reflecting a lot on how we've gotten to that point still and and what's been making an impact is we've, we've been doing strategic planning and we do it year by year and month by month and quarter by quarter. And the more that I'm seeing our team get its tenure under its belt and get more of these reps and we're asking better questions, the more and more excited I am about what we've got cooking with it. And it kind of made me steal a page out of your book because you've been doing such a great job as we've been looking at meetings and things of having these thought exercises or a framework or a perspective that we can consider that kind of build under our overall theme of serving this year. And it made me ponder a little bit of sometimes it's so easy to chase numbers on a spreadsheet and think that we either just need a new tool or a new system or a new platform or a new widget that is a mechanism of some kind that's going to help us go further. And a lot of times those can help us make significant grounds. But as I looked back on how we've been doing our planning, it still always comes back to how are our people and how is our alignment and and what's our self-awareness as a group first to make sure that we're focusing on people first before products and processes because that is just the main core of the engine that's going to get the wheels turning and and having things go um, and everything else are, is the turbo boost from there. And so I thought what we could do in today's episode is break down a couple of books that have been instrumental for us in growing our team and making sure that we as leaders are self-aware both as ourselves as individuals but our collective leadership team dynamic and then using those same things with our individual departments too so that way everybody is uh it has some framework and some um some filters that we can just be more cognizant of how we're going to show up in when we're putting out fires, right? What's our default mode going to be? How do we show up and and what does that potentially leave us exposed to based on do we have, you know, a lot of one kind of voice in the room? Do we have a balanced approach? Do we have some some styles or or devil's advocates that we need to be bringing in? And uh, what I thought we'd do is jump right into the first one, which is a book by Pat Lencioni called The Ideal Team Player. And we're going to talk about two of his books today, but this is the, the first one. And for those of you who haven't read Pat Lencioni, I highly recommend his books. They are easy to digest, quick, allegorical style narratives that really teach these fundamental, um, uh, you know, kind of 
elements and strategies and perspectives um, in a bite-sizable way, which was really good. So in Pat Lencioni's Ideal Team Player, he talks about there are three things that make up the ideal team player when you have all of these showing up in strong force, and it's being humble, being hungry, and being smart. And few people will have all three of these show up at a high level at the same time. So it's it's something where there are times where we can be firing on all cylinders and be that ideal player. There are times where you wake up and you've got the kids or you got, you know, had um, personal life curveballs or professional life curveballs that show up that can take us out of being that ideal team player. And the the part that I really, really enjoyed as, as I went through this exercise and this book was what happens when you have two of those three? So two of humble, hungry, and smart showing up. Um, because typically when we get into high pressure situations, we're going to be showing up with, with one of those not being as strong as others. And so it, what do those, um, what do those default, uh, breakdowns manifest as. And so when you look at the first combination, let's say we've got somebody that by default shows up humble and hungry. So it's not about ego. It's not about them. They're doing it for the team. They're wanting to put other team members over and make sure that the vision is being served and they're hungry. So they're taking action. They're, they're really getting after it. But if they're not taking the time to show up on the smart category as strong, there are, we, this creates this accidental mess maker, right? Where we're taking action, we're doing it with good intentions, but we haven't necessarily been able to consider what the ripple effects or the second or third degree impacts are going to be. And that can leave a mess at times, some collateral damage for some of our other partners um, and stakeholders that are at the table. So that's the, the first one is that accident mess maker if you're just showing up as humble and hungry. The next one that we talk about where if you're showing up and you've got the humble and you've got the smart, but you're not having the hungry, that's when it's that lovable slacker. So they're humble. They're, again, it's serving the team. It's serving the vision. It's not about the ego. They're thinking about what those long-term ripple effects are, anticipating potential potholes that we could be hitting but we're not taking as much action as we should or as quickly as we should in order to meet the urgency of the situation. And so this is someone where it's like, man, I love how they're showing up for us. Like they get it, like they want it to be the right way. I just feel like I need to be getting more out of them consistently. Um, you know, and, and so that lovable slacker one is a piece that can be, um, you know, it's not bad, right? Like these are things where just that third tier isn't showing up as strong. But as we start to look like if I've got some humble and hungry people and I've got some humble and smart, so I've got a combination of accidental mess makers and lovable slackers, I'm still feeling like we're, you know, not getting the traction that that we need. And the same thing goes for the third one. It's called skillful politician, which is the, the combination of hungry and smart. So these are people that are taking that massive action. They're able to anticipate what some of those ripple effects and things are going to be, but at times it can be self-serving um, in certain ways, whether intentionally or not. And this is a person then that can be probably the most dangerous of the three if you've got someone that's showing up with only two of the the three, but of these these categories. That humble aspect can be so impactful when it's there and more noticeably when it's not there. And so the the main crux of this is how do we as a team, a leadership team, like what are our defaults? And there is a, a really good exercise that we've done and we continue to do of, okay, I as the team leader am going to show up 
and I'm going to go through this exercise. I'm going to rank humble, hungry, and smart, and which one do I always show up with at the highest level and the most consistency, and then which is the one that shows up next um, as far as consistency and, and presence with that, and which one maybe doesn't show up as consistently as the others. And that way I can look at it. And sometimes seasonally that's going to change just depending on where you're at in life and what other um, external factors are happening for you. But when I look at this at times, I can get into... um, I can bounce back and forth between either lovable slacker or accidental mess maker. And so for me, it's just trying to make sure that I'm finding finding that balance of how does that actually show up for others that I'm working with and what consequences does that create for them. And if I can be aware that that's how I'm typically showing up, it can also give me time to pause and say, okay, I need to give room and time for this to be a factor that I'm considering. So that way I can ultimately slow down to go faster and not create problems or not step on toes unnecessarily with that. And what then you do is as the leader of a group, and you're taking this to your leadership team at first, and then they can take this to their subsequent departments, is I'm going to go through this. I'm going to you know, outline the humble, hungry, and smart. We're going to outline what the overlap characters are of accidental mess maker, lovable slacker, and skillful politician. And I'm going to tell you which one of those I am typically defaulting to as a leader for the rest of this group currently. And then you have them go through and do that same exercise. Because then when we're all sitting around the table and I'm hearing, Danny, okay, what are what are your top two that you see show up most consistently and strongest um, across the board? How does that make how does that show up for you? And then as we continue to to get everybody else's seat at the table and understand, okay, we may have, um, you know, three accidental mess makers, three lovable slackers, and three skillful politicians. Well, we may realize that skillful politicians, maybe we want a little bit less of that, and we want to coach those folks up to get some of their other areas stronger. But now we can also understand ourselves as an individual leader, our other components on our team, so that way we can adjust our messaging or what our asks are or specificity that we want to get out of things, and then also that collective group. And so it gives you that self-awareness for yourself and for your team members to be able to start making sure that how are we going to tackle problems and based on this dynamic and and these makeups, what problems is that going to pose for us that we just need to be cognizant of so we can give a little bit more time and room for those to ensure that we're going to be able to move forward in a really strong way. And that was, that you know, it's simple. It takes a little bit of self-reflection, but it was a very easy framework for us to start Uh, just being able to make better decisions by taking a little bit of time of, oh yeah, we've gone through this exercise. I know I can tend to show up lacking one of these three. Let's double down on that a little bit first before we move forward to make sure that we're being comprehensive in our approach. I think one of the things that's important to point out is that the names accidental messmaker, lovable slacker, skillful politician, mm-hmm. all of these exist on a spectrum. It doesn't yes. mean just because someone is strong and humble and hungry, it doesn't mean that they're constantly making messes. Right. And I think these terms, the whole point is to be the most extreme version of that, to mm-hmm. give us a framework to understand these a little bit better. I would definitely agree with that. And and it's giving yourself grace in these moments too as you're as you're doing that. I mean, high achievers are naturally going to harp on themselves a little bit harder of one of these things of gosh, okay, I'm I'm not showing up with enough of the um 
enough of the hungry right now because I've got so many other things that I'm trying to do. I'm not actually getting the real output that I want right now. So does that mean that I need to start focusing on prioritizing my time better, better protecting my schedule, setting time that is protected for me to be able to to work on these things as we're putting them through the system? Um, it's not to be down on yourself. It's just we, we want to graduate from our current set of problems, but you know that there's always going to be new, um, new bumps on the road, new curveballs, new challenges, because that is life, right? And so by being able to just better recognizing or better recognize how that stuff can show up for you, then it doesn't hit as hard. You know that you're working towards fixing those things and you're just not making the same mistakes over and over again. And we're finding better ways to get through it, which then when we we start to get that, then it may be, gosh, this tool with these features and things, maybe not the one that we need because it's a, you know, it's a, an action issue, not a organization issue that we need to be addressing or insert the blank, you know, insert blank here of just being better about treating root issues versus symptoms of those problems. And self-awareness is just the keystone to all of that, which is why we've gravitated so well to this book. And it's a really great one just for a cultural influence of people when they're onboarding your team. It's, hey, listen to this four-hour audiobook, get a sense of it. These are three things, three pillars that are really important for us to be showing up the right way for the other people in the room because it's how we're all going to get further and faster together. So, you know, it, it works in, in two ways of these are ideals that we need to be working towards. We understand that we're not always going to be hitting that. But if we're shooting for perfection, excellence will come with that. And so it's been really a, a, a helpful tool, especially over the last two and three years as we bring new team members on, but also reinforce to our existing team members. This is what we're about. This is a part of our day-to-day vernacular. This is how we show up for each other. I'm being open and vulnerable with people about where and how I, you know, can can maybe create issues for you and I want to make sure that I'm not. And it also invites that opportunity for your peers to be able to coach and hold you accountable. So that way we all know that it's not about me as a person showing up in that moment, but it's how, hey, this is what we all want to be working towards. And I know that you want this as well. So here's here's some things that I've noticed that could help us do more of that or less of this thing. And that is a really helpful tool for an individual self-awareness and to understand how the individuals on a team maybe um, interact. And in his other book, Pat would Pat Lindsay in his other book called Five Dysfunctions of a Team, mm-hmm. this is where it's really about how the group meshes together. And so his whole concept of the five dysfunctions, or if you want to reverse it, the, the five functions of a successful team. <laughs> but essentially imagine this as a pyramid, like the food pyramid or Maslow's hierarchy of needs, anything like that. We're going to start at the base level and work our way up. Mm -hmm. And at the base level, the very first thing on there is trust. You go up a level and then there's conflict. You go up a level and then it's commitment. You go up one more level, it's accountability. And the final level is results. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to start at the bottom and kind of give some examples of each of those when the that item is not present and when it is and the differences between those and talk about how each of those layers interact with one another so trust this is the very base foundation of everything in um in this book and when trust is not there there is invulnerability among the team members there's a lack of communication among the team members but when you do have trust there is respect there's acceptance vulnerability characters showing among each of your team members now when we go up to the next piece is conflict 
Now, this may sound weird because you think, well, well, I don't want conflict in my team. That's not at all what you want. (laughs) You actually do, but you want healthy conflict. Because if we're not able to disagree with one another on the leadership team, if we're just going to smile and nod um, and be become a bunch of yes men or just kind of bury things underneath because we don't want to cause any ruffles, we need to be able to to disagree in healthy ways. But when conflict isn't there, there's this kind of sense of artificial harmony among Mm -hmm. the team members there. You're not discussing the real issues. There's a sense of avoidance. But when you do have that healthy conflict, there's open and very candid dialogue and and when you think through that and a good way to think about healthy conflict is when you have an obstacle or a problem and everyone is working together to attack the problem and not attack the person or one another and i think that's a really interesting way and you can have conflict that's healthy that gets heated and people become passionate and that's okay as long as that trust is there first and you've got that trust and respect built in it's okay to have that healthy conflict now Mm -hmm. as we go up uh this pyramid to each of the next levels one thing that's important to point out because the next one is going to be commitment on here you can't get to one of the levels Uh, toward the top of this pyramid if you don't have the previous levels so if you don't have trust and commitment uh, i'm sorry trust and conflict already there it's going to be impossible to get commitment it's going to be impossible to get accountability um, and it's going to be impossible to get results and so i think that's really helpful to to realize because a lot of times leaders will go well the when i look at my team i want results and accountability boom it's like okay those are steps four and five in this process we gotta start all the way back at the beginning and start with trust and Danny, to that point too, one of the things that's so impactful that as we went through this as well is that this cycle and these elements, these levels build off each other from an, a peer-to-peer point. And so I'm not going to just to have inherent buy-in and that trust built right off the bat because of the title that I have or the position or the legacy. People need to see that I care about them as a human being and I'm showing up for them for work and outside of work and investing and seeing them for the human that they are. And that way, then they can feel vulnerable enough or encouraged enough that they can speak their mind more truthfully and and speaking truth to power, right? Like we, if, like if there's something broken, I want to know about it. But sometimes people are just so afraid of being the person that's bringing a problem to the table that nothing else can happen efficiently anyway, right? Like you're just going to be going through repetitive cycles if that isn't there. And so getting people comfortable to a point to interact with each other and and frame it. You're going to be bookending these conversation points with, hey, this is a safe place. I want you to know I, I'm bringing this up because I see how hard you're working and I appreciate what you're trying to do for us. And this is what I want to see. And so you have to be able to have real talk about what issues are holding people back. But you can't do that if people don't know how much you care first. I agree. Absolutely. And so when, <laughs> I have nothing else to add. So awesome. There you go. So when we move up to that next layer after conflict is commitment. And when that's not there, the team isn't really involved in the decision making or they say, yes, I, we'll do that. But then they don't. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like getting that that false sense of, of buy in from everybody. And then they go off doing something completely different because they don't agree with it. 
But when you've got the commitment there, you can have that healthy conflict like we talked about in the last level, and you can have the discussions about the decision that needs to be made, and people can disagree during that step. But once a decision is made, regardless of how you felt about it, everyone on the team is on board. You get 100% full buy-in, and there's not a walking out of the room and be like, oh, I don't really want to do that. I'm going to move in a different direction. It's like, nope. We, we all discussed it. We heard everyone's point. This is the direction we're going to move in, and everyone's committed to making that happen. Mm-hmm. Then you move up to the next step, you've got accountability. So when accountability is not there, you're accepting mediocrity. And I think this one, mm, silent approval of standards not being met. Yeah, you're either That's coaching being- it or condoning it, right? I mean, it's it's a, it's a slippery slope. It absolutely is a slippery slope. Now, when accountability is there, there's an ownership mentality of of taking ownership of your role and setting the standards among everyone else in your team. And then when we get to the very peak of this pyramid, the apex, if you will, um, this is results, right? And when it's not there, the the team members are going to be very focused on maybe their own personal goals and not so much the results of the team. They want to make it about themselves. But when you've got the, the, the results focus there, everyone's going to be all in on the team goals and working toward that together. Because as long as we can reach the goal for the team and the company, it doesn't matter you know, who gets the credit or, or what it does for me personally. And so that's the way that this pyramid is built. And one of the things that you can do in order to understand um, how your leadership team is interacting is at your next meeting, discuss these five levels with your team and have them go through and rank for each of them, starting with um, the trust and conflict, commitment, accountability, and results, and have them identify, do you do they think that they experience that usually with the team, sometimes with the team, or rarely with the team? And have mm-hmm. all of them individually kind of rank each of those and where they feel the team interacts, and then bring those results together and compare. Because it'll mm-hmm. be very interesting if you feel that some team members think that there's a um, a lot of trust and a, uh, and a lot of conflict and a lot of commitment, but then others don't. Well, where's that disconnect? And why do some team members feel like you're in a good place in, a- in certain areas, but others don't? And it's a very good self-awareness piece on how all of your team members are interacting to get together and their perspective on the team as a whole. And so when when we kind of take a step back and you look at both the ideal team player and the five dysfunctions of a team and reading those two books or taking these frameworks and bringing them in, that is how you're able to really focus in on developing your people. Because yes, you can have extra tools and yes, you can do all these things that are very tactical, but it all starts with building your people first. Because that's the thing that's harder to measure, takes longer and is more difficult and requires more intentional effort. But when you do that first, everything else on the back end of that becomes a lot easier and those tools become a lot more meaningful. You can't replace trust by putting in this one widget into your system. Trust has to be there first. And so that's kind of a, a what I feel is a nice little wrap up of today's episode. And I think mm-hmm. that that might be a good place for us to to stop. What do you think? What do you think, Russ? I agree. I think those are two two 
exercises and books that have been wildly successful for us as we've continue continuously and consistently put that thought exercise in place. And it can seem repetitive or silly at times, but if we're not inspecting what we expect, and this is a great safe way to, to show your team, hey, I care about us being better together and going further together, and I want it to be effective and impactful changes that we're making, this is the strongest route that we can take to start that path. And so lean into this. It's a, a wonderful one that you guys can put into, you know, annual reviews and quarter or even quarterly or semi-annually, but come back to these frameworks consistently because it will help you keep your finger on the pulse to potential blind spots that could be holding you back and then putting effort and time and treasure into the wrong direction and losing, you know, gains that you otherwise could have faster. So, uh, Hey, appreciate you guys as always for joining us and continue to come back and, and see us as we have our weekly podcast rolling out, continuing to book with guests and have more insights from operators and experts from around the family entertainment, location-based entertainment, insert alphabet soup abbreviation for out-of-home entertainment venues here. <laughs> and uh, we will always be striving to bring more and more of this kind of content for you guys. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And we always appreciate the five stars. Please and thank you. If you have any ideas for future topics or guests that you'd like to see us on the show, follow us on social media, send us a DM. And as always, a big shout out to Mikey Mike on the ones and twos for running the ultra web for us. Thank you guys so much. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we will catch you on the next one, troublemakers. The show focused on... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. On the top, everybody. You fat-tongued son of a... <laughs> All right. Ready? All right. I'm good.